Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 105. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we're going to further break down this false doctrine that many well-meaning Christians that aren't Catholic or, or even mainline Protestant uh, assume to point to what they will call the, the rapture theory. And you'll recall in the last session, I suggested that you get a hold of a book called The Rapture Tra Trap by uh, Paul Figpen from Ascension Press, which will give you a little more detail than, than, than I will. But the, the issue here at hand is we talked about uh, these verses basically from chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians on through uh, verse, let's say, verse 17, that one person, John Nelson Darby, I, in the 1830s, I guess is when he started to develop this theory, uh, to, uh, decided that, that uh, these verses implied that Christians will be raptured out, in other words, caught up in the air uh, when Christ returns, and they won't have to go through any uh, of the problems that will occur, any of the persecution that will occur at the end of times that is talked about in the book of Revelation. Okay, so the Catholic Church has always rejected that. No one thought these ideas until the 1830s, it was popularized in this uh, Schofield Reference Bible. It was popularized by Hal Lindsey, an author who wrote The Late Great Planet Earth. And we believe everything we read, right? So this was very popular, particularly in this uh, Left Behind book series that was quite popular around uh, the, the year 2000 or so. So now let me give you... Um, some problems with this idea of a rapture where all the Christians are taken out of the world when Christ comes again and only the bad folks are, are, are left. Or I should say the non-Christian ones would be, would be left. First of all, even in Darby's and Schofield's explanation, uh, where he tries to cobble together some unrelated verses to this First uh, Thessalonians work in chapter four, um, we don't see any ref any reference to any kind of a prejudgment rapture. Um, they, those two, Darby and Schofield, uh, they they see a connection between some. Events talked about in Daniel chapter 9, in Revelation chapter 20, which does talk about a thousand-year reign. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. And, um, you know, and, and this verse here, and they say that that speaks to a rapture. So the, the news is that Schofield and Darby bef uh, before him wanted to get out is, hey, pray for Christ to come now, because if you're a believer, you'll get raptured out. You won't have to go through the terrible tribulations, if you're still alive, that will confront individuals um, and in the book of Revelation. 
and uh, too bad for everybody else. That's kind of the implication there. So they would say, in all fairness, yeah, you want to encourage people to walk with the Lord so that they don't go through the tribulation as well. Okay. But in none of the other uh, areas, Daniel 9, Revelation 20, do they talk about a prejudgment rapture? Okay. Um, yes, we believe that Christ will come again. Yes, we believe there will be a judgment. Um, but Christians will not be spared any kind of persecution. And if you think about it, for the 2000 plus years history of the church, we have had martyrs in every generation in every country, right? So the mere idea of accepting the Lord and walking with him does not exonerate or, you know, does not exempt you from the trials and tribulations that, that you'll have to go through. Now, it's, uh, you know, you may not be among the last people to walk on this earth. So his whole theory about the rapture is wouldn't apply to you if you don't happen to uh, if if you happen to have died before Christ's second coming. The other issue is they they want it to they want Christ to come immediately as a judge. That's also kind of selfish, right? Would you want? Christ to have judged you right after you did the the worst anti-Christian thing that you've ever done? Of course you wouldn't. And so we want people to have a, a chance to change their their minds, to decide to follow Christ, right? So um, we are accepting of the fact that Christ is in control. He can come whenever he deems fit for the for the final judgment. But as I said in the last session, we should be far more concerned about our own end, the end of our life and our relationship with Christ at, at that time, rather than the end of the world. Also recognize that Revelation chapter, well, the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, that uh, these two fellows, Schofield and Darby, um, uh, try to uh, try to use to cobble together this theory. Those are examples of what is known as apocalyptic literature. And in apocalyptic literature, um, we see the writer of apocalyptic literature, be it uh, the author of Daniel, the book of Revelation, etc., uh, looking back at a previous time where there was awful things happening, and how the people got through those awful things with the help of God. So they, uh, spoiler alert, when we get to Revelation, I'm going to suggest that much of it that is talked about in the book of Revelation is are, are about events that had a past um, component to them as well as a future component. And I think that'll be pretty clear when we, when we study the, the book of relation, uh, a book of revelation. But, uh, anyway, bottom line, sorry, if you are, uh, you know, if you are on the earth just before Christ comes back and there is kind of a final test, if you will, uh, a final, um, suffering of, of people of God, uh, you'll you'll have to go through that, right? I mean, you're not Im immune to that. Our our gospel is not a health and wealth gospel. 
um, as, as is sometimes the case in the fundamentalist world. Well, anyway, so we've got Darby and we've got Schofield, and they come up with this theory. But since that time, there have been further splits in doctrine uh, among among those who believe in the rapture theory. There initially there was the post millennialists, and those followers said, "Hey, this was popular before the turn of the twentieth century." So in the in the uh, 1800s, um, we had people who said, hey, the world's going to keep getting better. And after everybody is Christianized and after everybody's good, then Christ is going to come and uh, Christ will, but, um, but first there's going to be a thousand years of righteousness before Christ comes. And then Christ comes after the thousand years. That's not such a popular theory anymore. Why? Because again, it was in the 19, excuse me, in the 1800s. Well, the 1900s came and did we really get any better? No, we had World War I. We had World War II. We had all these other wars. We had famines, diseases, and all that. So the world was not getting better. So that theory kind of got put on the bench, if you will. Then came the premillennial rapture theory, which is popular by, uh, again, popularized by the Left Behind books, Hal Lindsey's Great Plate, Great, Late Great Planet Earth, etc. And in that view, the world just keeps getting worse until Christ comes and takes the good folks to heaven. Um, well, I mean, that, that, that may be. But uh, here's the problem with his idea. Uh, everyone else goes through the tribulation except Christians. Um, and then some of the people who are left behind will, will believe, and then Christ will then come again so that makes Christ coming a third time, which we don't see any evidence of in Scripture, but we'll set that aside for now. And then the world is will be all Christianized when he comes the third time, and then there will be a thousand-year reign begins after Christ comes the third time. So Christ comes in, in the premillennialist view. Christ comes before the thousand years of peace. Okay. The premillennial view is subdivided. I won't even, I'll just mention these. And if you're really, really interested, you know, get the book by Paul Thigpen. There's, there are those who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. There are those who believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. There is a, are those who believe in a post-tribulation rapture within the premillennial rapture theory. So, uh, again, Christianity is fractured immeasurably. You know, there's over 30,000 different denominations. So what does the Catholic Church say? The Catholic Church says, well, we're kind of amillennial. Yes, there is a tribulation, but all of those that are living at the time of Christ's return will have to go through it. Okay, Um then Christ will come, and then the judgment. Um, so the thousand years that Schofield and, and Scripture itself, Revelation, talks about, the thousand-year reign of, of Christ, we maintain as Catholics, we're living in that thousand years now. It's not a literal thousand years. In fact, so far, it's over 2,000 years. We call that the church age. 
during which time we are relatively free to worship. Now, I know there are countries where that is uh, not, where you're not free to worship uh, externally, you know, with church services and, and that sort of thing. But um, as a general rule, we are able to tell others about Christ in some way and not be, not be killed for it. Uh, certainly, that's the, that's the case in America. So, uh, I also want to give you um, a statement made by the Illinois bishops, who all got together in June 2003, because everybody was worried about when is, when is Christ going to come again, and what is going to bring that about, and is, are the Russians going to do something, are the Chinese going to do something, etc. And here is their statement, and I suppose you could look it up, June 2003, Bishops of Illinois, uh, statement on the Left Behind series. I'll just read excerpts. When Jesus told us to be alert and ready for his return, he also warned there would be false prophets. One of the most attractively marketed recent false prophets has been the Left Behind series. And we're talking about this because First Thessalonians is where Darby falsely came up with this, this idea. The, the bishop's letter continues on. This theology leaves the believer left out of the world. It eagerly anticipates the world leave, it eagerly anticipates leaving the world behind. Yet Jesus worked with sinners. He walked with sinners. He ate with publicans and sinners. Jesus' harshest words were reserved for those who thought that they were secure. You know, the old, another fundamentalist idea, you know, are you saved? You know, you can just say you're saved and say this prayer and, and, and you're saved. Uh, the, the bishops further warned, they said, if we look too eagerly for Jesus' return on the clouds of heaven, we may pass him by too often on the street. You know, again, go back to Matthew 25, the verses 31 through 46, where we're supposed to recognize our brother in need, feed them, clothe them, visit them in prison, etc. So again, it seems to me that many people wonder about the end of the world instead of the end of their world. So we reject the idea we, we don't reject the idea that Christ will come and take us home. We certainly, you know, that is our, that is our hope. But we reject the idea that, uh, you know, this, this rapture will some way, uh, give a pass, if you will, to Christians so that they won't have to suffer for their faith. We suffer for our faith every day. Uh, the other reason why this, uh, rapture theory is selfish is that uh, it it sort of roots for war in the Middle East. The, the proponents of this theory, they want war between Israel and, uh, you know, the Arabs, so that all of the other world powers will have to choose up sides, and then there will be a world war. And But the good news is, if you follow that weird theory, all the Christians will be taken away before all of that, or in the middle of that somewhere, 
depending on uh, which fundamentalist view they have. So, you know, left to, if you follow that doctrine to its final conclusion, um, it seems to, that war would be the answer, right? You, you want uh, war to, to break out and you want the world to end and you want to escape it. Now, we live in the world in the sense that we are here to promote Christ to those that we see. And again, we want people to have uh, opportunities to hear the, the words, of, words of Christ. So I think I've covered that about as much as I want to, uh, to say about um, that rapture theory. I'm sure we'll talk more about that when we get to Revelation 20. Revelation's uh, the, the last few chapters of Revelation until the last part are a little bit scary, very symbolic, okay? And we'll tell, we'll tell you um, what we think some of those symbols mean, okay? Uh, anyway, in chapter 5, we, of First Thessalonians, we are reminded that the day of the Lord will come like a thief at night. So don't don't worry about when the world's going to come. Nobody knows, not even Christ, when he was walking on the earth as a human, uh, knew this. And he urges us in verse 6 of chapter 5, Therefore, let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us stay awake and sober, and gives us good advice in chapter, excuse me, in verse 17 of First uh, Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. So how do you do that? Well, there's certainly formal prayers, but then there's just the idea that you have that you're living each day for Christ and you're letting Christ and the Holy Spirit guide your actions and you're thinking about him during the day. Okay, so that's what he means there. Well, we've come to the end of 1 Thessalonians, uh, at least the, the points that, that I wanted to make about this very short letter, and we'll come back next time and look at the second letter to the Thessalonians. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't know when you are going to come again in judgment, but we know that our actions today speak to your response. And so we pray that um, we are ever vigilant in our prayers, in our following you, in taking the direction of the Holy Spirit, and that we will be ready when our world ends, when our, our human life ends, and uh, put that as a priority. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.